Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. Diving into my message, I'm, I'm really excited to preach this. God dropped this on my heart. Um, I was taking notes in another message and just out of nowhere, this full message downloaded. And I was like, this is the craziest thing. I don't, I don't know what to do. So I just wrote it down. And um, I'm really excited for it because, you know, the next day, ver the very next day, Pastor Michael called me and said, hey, you, gotta, you ready to preach? I'd like you to preach on, on Wednesday coming up. And I was like, well, it turns out. <laughs> so I love how God works that way. Um, turning your Bibles with me to Mark chapter 11. Uh, I'll be reading just two verses, verse 15 through 17 out of the NIV. It'll be up on the screen if you didn't bring your Bible, but... Uh, it says, on reaching Jerusalem, so I want to kind of explain where we're at in the Bible here. So this is right after um, Jesus rode in on the donkey, which is one of my favorite and probably most comical stories in the Bible. Jesus told his disciples, hey, go into town and steal a colt, like straight up rob a dude. And when he says, what are you doing? Say, oh, it's for the master. It'll be, it'd be like if Pastor Michael told me, hey, Jared, go into downtown El Cajon and steal a Harley. And when somebody asks you what you're doing, just be like, it's for the man of God. I don't, I don't know. I think I see Spider up there. Spider, if I, if I snagged your bike and I was like, hey, it's for the man of God, I, I think you'd be like, yeah, no, bro, it's not. It's, it's for me. So I love this story because Jesus tells his disciples and they're like, all right, we'll do it. Like he said to do it. Anyways, Right after that, they, Jesus rode through the town on his donkey. People were laying down coats and palm branches. They were honoring him. So Jesus is at this place of high honor and high respect in the city. But he doesn't let the honor of man get to his purpose, which is a whole message in itself. But I love that kind of that preference. So think of that in mind as I read this. It says, on reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. And, and then he taught them, and as he taught them, he said, is it not written, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it into a den of robbers. I love how Jesus asked the question that he already knows the answers to all through the Bible. Is it not written? And I think he did that to kind of challenge the religious leaders. Like, you guys say you know your Bible, do you? Is it not written? And it actually is written. It's in Isaiah 56, 7, which will also be up on the screen. But it says, even them I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted at my offer. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. So this verse for me, that even them, those first two words, this is the first time in the Old Testament where God is prophesying through the prophet Isaiah and letting him know in the future, the Gentiles will be able to come into my house. That even them is significant and representative. Anybody here of full Jewish descent? Okay, one, awesome, two. So you guys are good. The rest of us, that's even them. That's us. It's, I mean, it really is. It's the foreigners. It was meant to be the unclean, the unqualified, the disabled. The Bible specifically spells out like these people 
will be allowed in my house, for my house will be called a house of praise for all the nations. And I think like Jesus got fed up in this moment because the money changers, the buyers and the sellers, what they were doing is sitting out in front of the temple, sitting in the courts and preventing people from getting into worship. It would be akin to today, like if we had in the foyer, before you could come in on a Sunday morning, you had to listen to a 30-minute pitch for a timeshare. And then right after that, you had to listen to a multi-level marketing campaign to come by in. And once you did those two things, then you could get a seat. I wouldn't come to church, right? So this is what, like, Jesus wasn't frustrated and fed up with the people. He wasn't frustrated and fed up with the individuals. What he was looking at is the spirit behind it. And he was saying, no, that spirit won't stop people from getting into my father's house. Jesus got fed up there because he understood that that the enemy's goal was to try to keep the people of God out of the house. And, um, you know, the the enemy's going to use any tactic he can to keep you out of the house of God. He's going to tell you, men, 5.30 in the morning, it's it's too early for men's prayer. 6.30, women, that's too early. You can skip that one. The enemy's going to tell you that. The enemy's going to tell you, oh, you can't afford a ticket to cherish. That's a lie. But the reason the enemy's going to tell you that is because he knows as soon as you get into the house, as soon as you step in, you're powerful, and he can't touch you. He has no dominion. So he's going to try to keep you out of it. So I'm telling you, church, get in this house. Get around the men and women here. Get around an atmosphere where you can get fired up. Um, the title of my message tonight is Fed Up fed up. And I, the goal here is what I'd like to explain over the next few minutes is how Jesus got so fed up for the right reasons. And if we can learn to align our fed up with the way that Jesus aligned his fed up, we can become very powerful in the kingdom. We're in our, our series right now called, um, um, called Battle Preach. Thank you, Pastor Michael. Through a blank. And really what it is, is it's a parallel of popular culture of movies and media today and drawing out the the biblical concepts from them. And this movie is one of my favorites. Uh, I watched it all the time growing up. And I watched it in high school to get pumped up for basketball games. And I didn't really realize why I watched it. Um, As I was prepping for this message, God kind of told me the reason why you loved it so much is because those concepts in that movie are really my creativity expressed through man. So I got a a quick clip. Let's go ahead and watch this. And then... um, I'll jump back in. Send me back. I can't. Mr. Anderson. Run, Neo, run. What is he doing? He's beginning to believe. So are you. 
I'm all pumped up. I, um, I just love that scene in the movie because it's a, it's a pivotal point in, in the entire movie. It's a pivotal point really in that movie for mankind because Neo's faced with a choice there of whether to fight or whether to run, and it, everyone has always ran. Like there's a previous point in the movie where they said no one has ever faced a, an agent and lived. Like you run. It's what, it's what we do. We run. But I love that moment where, like, you've got the Keanu Reeves, like, kind of confused look. <laughs> where he's, like, making it, he's like, I don't, I'm not going to run anymore. Like, this is it. I'm, I'm fed up with this running. I'm fed up with this dude running our life. And it's, it was this point in the message where I heard God tell me clearly, it's time that my church gets fed up with some things that they've always been doing. It's time that El Cajon campus gets fed up with a little bit of what's been going on in the city. When people hear El Cajon, when I tell them I live in El Cajon, they're like, oh, that, and I just stop them. That's where God's moving. That's where God's doing a work. That's where he's shifting some things. I'm fed up with the labels that people have put on my city. It's time, church, that we get a little bit fed up with some things. Sorry, I'm, I'm excited. Is this okay? It's time that we get fed up with the right things. It's time that we stop walking by the money changers in our own temple. Um, my points tonight, I have three points, and hopefully I'll get through them in time. Um, number one point, begin to believe. Begin to believe. I love that line when Trinity looks at Morpheus and says, what, what's he doing? And Morpheus said, he's beginning to believe. He's beginning to believe. What he's doing, what's, what took place there in that moment is he's beginning to understand that everything I need to defeat this guy is already in me. I got the download, the thing in my head. I know Kung Fu. <laughs> right? He knows, like, I've got everything I need to defeat him, and he's, he's starting to believe, like, I, I can do this. And I will tell you, when we get saved as Christians, when we accept Christ into our heart, immediately... Everything that we need to defeat every plan of the enemy, every sickness, every disease, every poverty, it's ours. We have it. The thing is, we just need to begin to believe. And in Isaiah 7, verse 9, this is a couple chapters earlier, same prophet Isaiah. God's talking to him, and he unveils a point to him that really has shook me up in my life. It says, unless your faith is firm, I cannot make you stand. Just read the bottom part. Unless your faith is firm, I cannot make you stand firm. I think sometimes in my life, I'm like, God, just make me stand firm in this. So there's that song, make me a vessel, make me an offering, make me. I think me, sometimes I sit on my couch, I'm like, God, just make me want to go to church. Make me want to stand firm. Make me want to believe that that business opportunity that hasn't come through for years is going to come through. Make me, God. And he's like, I'm not, I can't. Read my word. Your faith has to stand firm. You've got to stand firm in your faith. We've got to believe, church. We've got to believe in what he's placed on the inside of us and know that it's there. Know that he said, because of my work on the cross, you can fill in the blank, whatever you're, whatever's going on in your world. Um, in Mark 5, 36, this, again, a couple chapters before where, where Jesus came in on the donkey. I love Mark's uh, depiction of Christ's life. 
This chapter says, uh, this verse says, overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. I read these 12 words over and over and over. Overhearing what they said, don't be afraid, just believe. I want to encourage you to read out of a paper Bible, because in my paper Bible, there's a footnote above the word overhearing. And it got me curious as I was prepping this message. When I looked at the footnote, it said, ignoring. And I was like, I've never used in my life overhearing and ignoring interchangeably. Like, I'm never like, oh, the other day I overheard Jake and Joy talking about the new house that they're going to buy. I've never said, you know, ignore. the other day I was ignoring uh, Jake and Joy talking about the new so I was confused, so I, I, I did something I don't normally do. I'm not really a, a wordologist, but I looked up the original Hebrew of this word because I was curious, because I was like, this, this can't, this has got to be something here. And they, they chose the word overhearing because it was closest to the, the meaning of that original Hebrew word, which was to ignore or to refuse to listen. And the, the thing is, church, is we, we need to start listening at a higher level. And I'm going to explain that a little bit because Jesus, what he did here, this is when, this is the moment right after the woman of blood touched his garment, he was on the way to heal a man's daughter. And that man's servant ran up and said, hey, don't bother the teacher. Your daughter's already dead. And then right after that verse, Jesus, overhearing them, looked at him and said, don't be afraid. Just believe. I can, I can see the guy. He's like, this, this servant of my house, I've known him his whole life. He would die for me. I, I believe him. But Jesus said, no, stop. I am, I am literally overhearing. I'm hearing above the level that he's speaking. I refuse to hear down here. I hear up here. I'm overhearing it. I'm ignoring it. You knew, Church, we need to lift our level of hearing. When the doctor tells us it's terminal, say, no, I'm going to overhear that. I, I, I know that you're speaking down here, but I'm listening up here, and my God says it was done on the cross. When we hear, hey, you know, you're fired from your job. We need to say, you know what, thank you, but I'm not listening down here. I'm overhearing. I'm listening above because my God says that he has abundance for me. I think, church, too often we hear the truth and, and we're like, well, that's, I mean, it's the truth. I got fired from my job. It's the truth. My, my servant told me my daughter died. And we put too much gravity in those words. Jesus here says, I'm overhearing. I'm hearing on a different frequency than you're hearing, and you need to stop listening to that. Just believe. Don't do anything else but believe. <sighs> okay, my point number two is don't listen to the lies. Don't listen to the lies. The enemy is going to do anything he can to keep you out of the house of God. And I've got a really fun story that I'm going to try to do quickly here. Um, when, we, when my wife and I celebrated our 10-year wedding anniversary, we went to Cabo. And we, did, we got an all-inclusive. I just, I wanted to push one button and then not think about it again. So I got an all-inclusive. When we get to the airport in Cabo, I got got. I got got. So what that means is, you know those people that stand out in front of the airport and point to where you're going to go? Well, Abby Bowman did not tell me that they also try to trick you. This guy, Julio. Come here, come here, come here. Brought us in. And he asked where I was staying. We told him, he's like, oh, you guys rich and famous or something? You're some kind of model on TV? And we were like, yeah, she is, yeah. Mm -hmm. What else? Anyways, he told us all these things about his hotel that he worked for and how good it was and what all the free things they would give us if we'd come listen to a pitch at his hotel. 
And I was like, oh, sounds good. What do I got to do? And he's like, well, what do you want to do while you're here? I was like, well, I want to go on jet skis, and I want to go on a boat tour out to um, Lover's Beach, and um, I want to taste the tequila in Mexico. He goes, cool, I'll do all those things for you. You give me 50 bucks right now and do the thing tomorrow, I'll do it. He's like, great, 50 bucks, here you go. So we left, go to our hotel. We walk into our hotel, and you guys, I'm out of this world. We are met with like towels with lavender on them that are at 40 degrees to freshen up and cool our face on the 12 foot walk in the heat between our vehicle and the door. And then we sit down at the front desk and they put like these neck warmers around us and hand us margaritas and say, thank you, Mr. and Mrs. Van Tassel for choosing our hotel for your 10 year anniversary. And we're like, where did we go? And this, this guy, Julio, calls us and he's like, hey, come to my hotel tomorrow. But I actually, I, I can't get in to your hotel. So you guys need to come out and, and meet me on the street so I can drive. But your hotel's probably not going to want you to do that. So tell them you're taking a cab into town. And we're like, So anyways, long story short, we tell our hotel, hey, I got got. I messed up. They reimbursed us the $50 we gave him. They gave us a free ATV tour, a free sunset cruise on a sailboat. And the lady, she was so funny. Her name is Connie. She's like, honey, bottle of tequila. I give you all the tequila you want for free. I think that is very similar to the house of God. The enemy is going to tell us, hey, I've got something good for you. I've got something for you. And you've already bought in a little bit to me. You've already sinned. Like, I've, but you, you have to come out of the house of God because I, I can't go in there and, and jump in my car. But we, we forget sometimes. Sometimes we haven't experienced the fullness of the all-inclusive that's here. So I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you, press in here. Press in here. Don't, don't go and check out the other hotel. Press in here. Sorry, that's a side note completely not in my notes. Um, sometimes the lies, you know, the point is don't listen to the lies. Sometimes the lies are going to come from the people around us, the people that are close to us. In, in the movie clip, you saw Trinity, who truly cares for Neo, truly cares for his safety, say, run, Neo, run. And what she was saying is, I don't think you can beat him. You're probably going to die. Like, I'm concerned. You need to run. And I think sometimes in the world, people are like, hey, you got a terminal diagnosis. I think you need to start saying your goodbyes. We don't have to. Terminal in this world isn't terminal in God's world. Like, like, like you said in the tithe message, a closed door isn't a closed door till God says it is. Like, we've got to stop looking at closed doors and being like, well, guess God can't do anything now. I want you to, to press in church that sometimes some of the things we hear on the media, that we hear in our day-to-day -day life, that we hear maybe from a very well-meaning uh, family member or spouse, press a little deeper. Take those things in prayer to God. Because I think that hidden in, underneath might be the enemy's voice. The things, this is the hardest one for me, the things that we rehearse in our head, the enemy will get in there and put a little lie in. And he'll twist it just a little bit. 
I imagine when, when Jesus was walking towards the temple and he saw what was going on, he was like, oh, that's it. I'm done. I'm fed up with this. I imagine one or two of his disciples was like, Lord, don't get your turban in a bunch, man. Like they've been there for years. This is how we've always done it in Jerusalem. Like I used to buy doves here with my dad for the sacrifice. Like, don't, don't calm down, Jesus. Is probably, probably one of the lesser known disciples, like Thaddeus or Bartholomew, and nobody ever wrote about it because they didn't like spelling their name. So I'm, that's my interpretation of the Bible. That's actually not biblically referencing here. Um, sometimes though, the lies will come directly from the enemy and he will lie to you directly through your, your thoughts, through what you hear. Just like you hear things from the Holy Spirit, you can also hear things from the enemy. Um, the enemy's most common tactic, at least in my life, is he'll use partial truths. And I love in that movie, when they land on the ground and their guns to each other's temples, and the enemy looks at him and he says, you're empty, 100% fact. And I think sometimes the enemy will come up to us and be like, you're not good enough. Your sin disqualifies you. True, true. You can't do it. Probably true. On your own. But he won't put those last parts in there. He's speaking from a carnal place, from a place of flesh. Here on the earth without Jesus, you're not good enough. You won't be able to do it. And he's reminding you of partial truths. He's not giving you the whole truth. But I love what Neo said when he said it to him. He said, so are you. Next time the enemy tells you you're not good enough, ask him where the gas gauge on the tomb is. I'm serious. Ask him. Ask him if you can borrow the keys. Like, hey, man, where are your keys? Ask him. He's defeated. He's lost. Remind him that he is already lost. I think we give the enemy so much power sometimes. We're like, oh, man, the enemy's really kicking me today. Well, kick him back. Like, we got to get up. Kick him back. I'm telling you, I, like, I get excited about this stuff because sometimes we need to look back at the enemy when he tells us we're empty and say, on my emptiest day, on my weakest day, with my Jesus, my authority is infinitely better than anything you've ever had. We got to remind him that he's empty too. My last point is shift your fed up. Shift your fed up. I'm going to speak that one again so that nobody... Shift it. So our, our fed up is a very powerful tool. The enemy knows it, and God knows it. God wants us to know the power of our fed up. When it's directed properly, the enemy doesn't. And I'll tell you that there's, there's two tricks the enemy uses with us. He either keeps us from getting fed up or gets us fed up with the wrong things. And I'll tell you that the, the enemy, at least in my life, has tried to get me fed up with my wife. He's tried to get me fed up with my boss. He's tried to get me fed up with people. And if I'm being honest, sometimes he's succeeded. Sometimes I get, I'm so fed up with my kids. I'm so fed up with this situation. And that's the enemy's trick. He wants you to get fed up over here when over here is what the issue is. Like Jesus was in the temple and saw the issue is a spiritual principality. It's not the people. Now, if he had gone in and got mad at the people, like if he had like killed the people on the spot, you're sinning in the house of God, dead. Lightning from heaven. Like that's not what he did. He taught, Bible says he taught them through the work that he did. I think sometimes Jesus is trying to teach us something and we're getting mad that he knocked something out of our hand. 
That was a, a moment for me. Like it says, he didn't allow anyone to carry anything. I just see him walking through the temple, hitting stuff out of people's hands. Like, let me teach you. And they're like, why are you hitting this out of my hand? But God's fed up that the way that he wants us to get fed up is with the spiritual things. It's with spirits of perversion, spirits of, of lust, spirits of uh, depression, spirits of poverty. Like God doesn't want you to get, up, get fed up with your job. Like I only make X amount of dollars a year. I'm so fed up with this job. They don't appreciate me here. He wants you to get fed up with the spirit of poverty that thinks you're stuck there, that thinks that's the ceiling on your life. Like this house, there's a reason why this house, I'm so excited. I, I invite people to men's prayer and women's prayer as much as possible because I know your life's gonna accelerate because mine did. I'll, I'll tell you that God's fed up, it's terminal. It ends. When, when you get fed up God's way, you stop a thing. When you get fed up through the enemy's way, this is how you can test it. It just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. I've heard people say, I'm so fed up with my husband. He won't stop doing X, Y, and Z. And what they're focused on is their husband. I'm so fed up with my wife. It's not picking on ladies. I'm so fed up with my wife. She keeps doing X, Y, and Z. And what you're focused on is your spouse. And you're pointing out the inadequacies here. And the, the spirit of division is sitting over here like I'm winning. And God's saying, get fed up with the spirit of division. Tell it it can't touch your wife. It can't touch your husband. It can't be in your marriage. Like we have got to break these things. We've got to go after them, church. We've got to shift that fed up a little bit. When we get fed up the way that God wants us to, the way that Jesus did in the temple, it brings healing. It brings peace. It is a, a terminal moment. When we get fed up the enemy's way, it brings destruction. It brings pain. And I'll tell you that for me, the, the, the biggest thing that I want to encourage people with tonight is if you have not given your life to Christ, if you've not asked him to come into your heart and be the Lord and Savior of your life, then that power, that, that unlimited power to defeat the enemy that Neo had in the movie, that Jesus had in the temple, it's there, it's available to you, but it's not in you yet. And I wanna give you an opportunity here tonight, if we can, to really accept Christ into your heart, but step out of a life that feels stuck and limited and into a life of power. If you're fed up with the question of what's gonna happen when I die, if you're fed up with the direction that your life's going without Christ, it's time to take that first step. So if we could all bow our heads, I wanna pray for you tonight, and then I wanna give us an opportunity. Lord, I thank you for your church. I thank you for this message that you've given me, Father God. I pray, Father, that we would get fed up with the right things and no longer get fed up with the wrong things. Lord, I thank you for each and every person here in the congregation. I pray that you move powerfully in their hearts right now. Speak to each person individually. God, I know that your heart is completely for us, that you are for us, that you have love and life and life abundant for us. So God, right now, I pray that you touch your people. With every head bowed and, and every eyes closed right now, I wanna ask if that spoke to you, if you've never given your life to Christ, or maybe you did a long time ago and have turned back to living your own way, and you're a bit fed up with how it's going, 
if maybe you've come a time or two to church and you're like, all right, I'm ready. I see the fruit here. I see the life here. I'm gonna count to three and I want you to just slip your hand up. I won't embarrass you. I won't ask you to come down. Just slip your hand up between you and God. One, two, three. If that's you, please raise your hand tonight. I see that hand, brother. He'll never let you down. I see that hand. I see that hand. So good. I'm gonna give it an extra moment here. I feel like God's tugging on someone's heart. This is just you and him in this moment. Nobody's looking around. Thank you, Lord. If you'd all stand with me. I'd like to say a quick prayer for those that raise your hand, repeat along with me, and the congregation repeat it as well. Heavenly Father, I recognize that I'm a sinner. And on my own, I'm not doing well. Lord, I ask that you forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart, Jesus. Make me anew. Wash me white as snow. I recognize that you are the son of God. And that all authority and all power rests in you. Lord, come into my heart today and teach me how to use the authority and power that you've given to me. I love you, Lord. And I'm ready to start day one with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.